1: Hey guys, it's Perry, and I'm here to let you know that this edition of Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership where you can watch, read, shop, and connect, catch up on original series like Titans and starting November 29th, watch their newest adult animated series, Harley Quinn. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use the promo code Collider to start your free trial. That's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast O-N-E Use promo code Collider to start your 14-day free trial, and this code will be valid for you through December 31st, 2019. This episode of Collider Movie Talk is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks, the operator of DC Universe, which is only available in the U.S. Today on Movie Talk, we've got some DC film updates for you. And then on top of that, Godzilla vs. Kong is delayed. And then finally, we're talking about George Lucas' involvement in Star Wars, Episode 9, all on today's show. Good morning, everyone. That is our lineup today on Movie Talk. And I have the pleasure of discussing all of those hot topics with Koi and Haley because it's Tuesday. I love Tuesdays. It's Tuesday, oh, wow. I love Tuesdays because I get to see your faces.
0: I think they sell all of those things at Hot Topic.
1: I think they did. Godzilla, did no, Star Wars. Like, I don't know if that was
0: Tuesdays? an intentional pun. They sell Tuesdays at and Hot Tuesdays a an Tuesday. <laughs> And Tuesdays I can use an eight-day week sometimes. I'll take your, uh, your finest Tuesday, Hot Topic. I haven't
1: been into a Hot Topic in so long because I, I feel like after my first year here and being around Dennis too much, I had to make a strict no-more-purchasing-pop <laughs> <laughs> rules. And still, Dennis taunts me on Instagram. Every single time they have a new Instagram with the local Hot Topic, a new uh, Funko Pop that I would like, at the local Hot Topic here, he has to send it to me knowing that it's going to get me all crazy. Their (laughs)
0: merch game has improved. They're not like the the little like obscure hub they were considered in high school. Uh, Hot Topic's pretty solid in Hot Topic news. No,
1: I think so. I I mean, I still want everything, which is why I must stay away. But uh, right now, what we are jumping feet first into is a fairly significant article that Variety posted, and it's about the future of the Warner Brothers DC movies. And, There's a ton of stuff here, so I think what we're going to do right now is we're kind of going to bullet point it by movie, and we're going to hit every single thing in this article, starting off with what they say about the Batman. I'm going to read a little bit from the .com article because they break it down pretty well here so variety is noting that contrary to previous rumors the bulk of the Batman's plot does not take place in Arkham Asylum instead only a handful of scenes take place there however the report also notes that Warner Brothers and DC hope that if the Batman is a success it could lead to any of these villains headlining their own spin-off movies koi I actually have a question for you first so given that description of what the Batman could be does it change your idea in terms of the source material that this movie could be pulling from
0: I think they can still do Calendar Man I think they can still do The Long Halloween I just think it can be set in Gotham like I think I think Arkham is going to be a piece of Gotham but mm-hmm. I think Gotham might be the playground now and I think that it's still going to have that tone I think it could still very much be that detective discovering and trying to trace like it's going to have the roots of it just like Civil War wasn't Civil War from the comics but it was still the through line from the comic there was a lot of similarity and I feel like you can still do Long Halloween without it being the contained Arkham story that we thought it was going to be I think Affleck his script we kept hearing Arkham I think when he left that script was completely changed and obviously it's a Matt Reeves film now so it's completely different but I think a lot of the holdover of rumors comes from the, the Ben Affleck era
1: So if only a handful of scenes are taking place there, does that change how much you guys are thinking we're going to get of, you know, big casting announcements recently like Catwoman and Penguin and Riddler or are all of them out and about anyway and it doesn't matter? Hey, guys, it's Perry here to let you know that this episode of Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership for us DC fans who want to watch DC movies and shows, read our favorite DC comics, shop exclusive merchandise, and connect with other fans. DC Universe is home to original series like Titans, Doom Patrol, Young Justice Outsiders, and also starting November 29th, Harley Quinn featuring Kaylee Cuoco. This adult animated series follows Harley as she breaks things off with the Joker. Will she be the newly liberated Queenpin of Gotham City? Catch new episodes on Fridays. Love comic books? Well, DC Universe is also the place for you for that. Get access to over 20,000 digital comics all at your fingertips. This includes classic titles like The Dark Knight Returns, Crisis on Infinite Earth, Kingdom Come, and All-Star Superman, as well as today's hottest books. And that's just the tip of the iceberg here. Watch new animated films like Batman Hush and Reign of the Superman. Enjoy classic animated series remastered in HD like Aquaman and Batman Beyond. Binge fan favorite DC series like Constantine and Birds of Prey and watch classic DC movies like Batman, Batman Returns and Superman. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices with this special 14 day free trial promo code. Now is definitely the time to experience the ultimate DC membership. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use the promo code to start your free trial That's www.dcuniverse.com Slash podcast O-N-E Use promo code Collider To start your 14-day free trial This code will be valid Through December 31st, 2019 This episode of Collider Movie Talk Is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks The operator of DC Universe DC Universe is only available in the U.S.
2: I'd, I'd, I mean, I think that We've seen across mediums, animated... It, well, maybe not so much in live action yet, but Cartoon like you can have a bunch of them on the loose, and that works just fine, too. They don't all have to be locked up in one spot. No, that right. certainly makes it easier to justify and remove some of the need for exposition. Sure. But I, I don't... I... if. I don't see why not making Arkham the central location would in any way mean you can't do the rogues gallery thing.
1: I think you got me so hooked on the long Halloween thing. I want
2: that so bad. I
1: mean that, and also just like... The idea of if we're having so many key characters, it all being in one like neat, organized
0: space. <laughs> With signs on the door. So, now yeah. I know who this is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're <laughs> labeled. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, that that's basically the only visuals I've had in my head Same. thus far because we really don't know all that much. But my next question for you guys here is, do you think that the idea of giving these individual villains their own spin-off movies could be the way to go? Because... There are so many different routes they can pursue with this just as far as, you know, if the Batman is a success, how many Batman movies are we going to get? Do you want Batman movies, a continuation for, for Robert Pattinson's Batman, in addition to potential spin off movies? Are these spinoff movies more in line with Joker or do they stick with the tone that they started with in the Batman movie? I, I don't really know what the clear path is, and I'm sure these are only very preliminary ideas, because again, in the article they says, they say, if the Batman is a success. So, I have a feeling they're gonna see what folks respond to most, and then go in that direction, but, I don't know. I'm a little torn in terms of what I'm rooting for as I, far as DC films go right now. I think now. one of the
0: strengths of the Joker was that it wasn't a Batman movie. I think one of the strengths of the Joker was that it, it sold itself as this different take, this different genre, this different type of film. And I enjoyed the fact that it was an Elseworld, so we weren't waiting for Batman to show up. I like that even in the final trailer they were like, by the way, this is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, very, they make it very clear you won't be getting a Batman in the third act as some surprise twist. I would prefer if they do villain one-off movies, they be Elseworlds because I think if you try to do a villain tying into the hero movie that you just experienced, it's not going to land tonally unless you try to make a very similar movie and in that case just make another Batman movie. I, I think it's a really slippery sl- I'd rather see a Mr. Freeze movie which we've talked about a few times oh, that yeah. feels so 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 different that couldn't exist in Batman than see a Batman Mr. Freeze and then have it spin off because I-, I feel like we're just chasing something. I- I've always wanted to see the Spider-Man Sinister Six movie but I want to have all the villains be established in their own movies and then go off and make Spider-Man the villain. But I feel like if this Rogues movie does well then Batman is kind of the villain because he's just as crazy as the people he's fighting. He's a guy that dresses as a bat and punches people like the, the, that's a different kind of character to make a spinoff from
1: I really do like that perspective though
0: yeah Batman is the villain is what I kind of want out of this film
1: although uh, the way you uh, the way you play that out we're gonna be waiting a long long time for that sinister six movie no. that's never happened But
0: imagine if you well think about it. we have three villains already established and then we've got Venom if you add one villain to the next Spider-Man movie you could do a sinister six film easily whereas we're starting this film with a barrage of bat villains because he is one of the best rogues mm-hmm. gallery of all time but we've just met them I think you need to build to meeting them but I don't know if a solo film this early in Batman's uh, tenure works because we will have just met Batson. I don't think it's, it it makes sense to jump over here.
1: Is that are people casually using that phrase at this? Point Battenson. I mean, Pattinson, I have been. I our bats. I find them interchangeable. Oh, I think I, they, both I good. Think they like our bats. You take your pick. All right. You know, I don't know. Free, it's just, it's, it's easier for me to say. I don't <laughs> know which hashtag is hotter.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, 2019 <laughs> sentence. Of, oh. Oh, oh,
1: my God, no, I, I felt so wrong <laughs> uttering that sentence. Uh, where do you fall on this, Haley, as far as them spinning off the villain characters? Are you imagining that it is somehow still connected to the Batman, or could these spin? off still have a Joker vibe where they're spinning off these characters but they're still making it its own creative unique endeavor it's like my
2: answer to everything but why not both like I think both could be fun and it depends on the villain it depends on the direction it depends on the creative this is all obviously very much prognosticating about something that's in very early stages but like I I absolutely think that if there's a villain in in the Batman that he really vibes with like the the, the Batinson slash R Bat slash whatever our nickname for that villain becomes chemistry is right there, then then keep that in universe and keep that actor around and play with that. But there's also. You can do the Joker thing. My concern there is like I don't love when something that's a weird idea is a hit and then a studio is like, let's do 14 of those because they're never as weird or interesting as the original weird idea, right? They become studio to a pretty significant mm-hmm. extent. But I, I think that if, they, if Warner Brothers has a good history of being a filmmaker-driven studio, so if they can cling to that in their approach to those films, then that could be really interesting.
1: Yeah, maybe not... not. The same weird as Joker, but a different weird. Well, yeah, it's, rooted in the individual character. Yeah, that, that's in exactly the, what I'm saying. Don't yeah. do the Joker. Again. No, no, no. <laughs> like rooted in the individual character. Yeah. Rooted in whatever filmmaker you hire, who hopefully has a really unique sense of style that you don't, you know,
0: studioize. Yeah. In that vein, we've cast incredible actors as these rogues. Like the the, the cast of this movie is crazy, and in the way that superhero films are. Not a genre in the specific sense. You can make them all different types of genres. It would be interesting to have a detective story with the Riddler and a romance with Mister Freeze and a uh, crazy noir with Ventriloquist. You could totally do that, especially if you cast well. A full on uh, horror thriller with Clayface. You could do all of this if you do it correctly. I just worry that it'll it'll muddy the Pattinson Batman if you do it too soon.
1: No, that's that's fair. I mean that that was another. I'd... Sadly, I think that's the the quote I don't have here. But there was a quote in that piece that said something to the effect of, that this individual thought that the earlier problems with the DC film franchise was that they did too much too fast Mm -hmm. and that you know some of the scripts that they were saying go on weren't necessarily fully formed so I think too much too fast even at this stage when they've kind of found their footing a little bit I still think that that's a dangerous path but it seems like the folks in charge now do know what they're doing and I kind of hope this movie comes out and they wait and see they wait and see what the reaction is and then take it from there because they still have a whole bunch of stuff brewing here that sounds very interesting, and
0: I don't want—I don't want DC to just be the Batman universe. I, I love Batman; he's my favorite DC character, shamelessly. Like Batman is a fantastic character, but I don't want you just suddenly have Batman in the DC Universe the way that we had Wolverine in the X-Men for so many years. Like mm-hmm. I think the DC Universe is way too strong to lean on one character. Right now, DC comics are great, but there's a lot of Bat stuff. I'd like it to be more balanced. I want to see Superman again. I want Man of <laughs> Steel too. I want a Green Lantern, maybe. Doesn't, but I don't think we should just have Batman in the, in the DC.
1: Doesn't seem like you're seeing Superman anytime soon. I can so. keep
0: dreaming as long as Henry Cavill's running around being handsome.
1: Alright, let right, let's, <laughs> let's hit that part that of the story is. then. <laughs> so, the Superman portion of the story says... The studio has less clarity on what to do with Superman to help find a way to make Superman relevant to modern audiences. Studio Brass has been polling lots of high-profile talent. There have been discussions with J.J. Abrams, whose company, Bad Robot, recently signed a massive first-look deal with the studio, and there was a meeting with Michael B. Jordan earlier this year with the Creed star pitching Warners on a vision for the character. But Jordan isn't ready to commit to taking on the project, and it doesn't seem likely to happen for several years because he's super busy. Insiders think that a new Superman film is unlikely to hit screens before 2023, given that there's no script and no director attached. I actually think it's far later than that. No script, no director attached, and it just seems like many other things are further along. And I would like to bet that... When the Batman hits theaters, certain priorities, maybe there's not going to be a major upheaval, maybe, but certain priorities might shift. I just, I have a feeling until, you know, someone stands up with that genius Superman idea that everyone over there says go, it's not going to happen. And it's it's already the end of 2019.
0: I feel like the... the... <laughs> You've got a great Superman, and you've got a hundred directors that probably have Superman ideas. I think when the lightning strikes, it'll strike. I think I think all of the, you know, you've got the kindling, you just need the spark, and I feel like it's all right there waiting to happen, and I also feel like Superman is necessary. They made Shazam work. If they can make Shazam work, they can make Superman work. Shazam's a way harder character to crack, and they totally did. I think Shazam landed. I think that Man of Steel set some good groundwork to make Man of Steel too. It's just, it, you have to find the right tone, and I, I agree it's going to be hard, but I think we will get a Superman. Superman. Superman movie in the next five years?
1: I kind of wish that if they do a Superman movie at this point, and this might be the article getting to to my brain a little, because I think they did say something to this effect as well, is that... You know, they were comparing the uh, the Disney movies to the DC movies and the fact that we're going to get to this in a minute, but the DC movies are pursuing R-rated fare, something mm. that Disney is not doing with their Marvel movies. And if they're not going to do that, yeah, DC should be jumping feet first into that because there is interest in that kind of superhero movie right now. So I feel like if they want to shake up Superman and differentiate the role from the past iterations of the characters we've seen very recently, plus all the stuff on TV, TV, do do something a little darker something a little weirder something a little more unexpected i feel like if if they're going to get it off the ground in a way that's going to reinvigorate widespread excitement for a superman movie in addition to the other the other movies on their slate right now that might be the best Path to pursue.
0: I think Batman makes sense already, but I feel like Superman. He's he's the Boy Scout of the whole thing.
1: Not necessarily R rated. Okay, okay. Definitely not necessarily R rated. I'm just, I'm just talking about doing doing something drastically, drastically different from what we've seen before. Lex Luthor
0: movie. You make a character study about the man who the country loves, who you can't understand why he's so obsessed with this alien. He's just protecting his city. He's trying to protect his planet. He's been the strongest, smartest person there is, and all of a sudden, there's this thing that completely undermines all of that. You make Superman into the thing that you're trying to understand. The reason Superman's interesting is because he's so relatable in that he shouldn't be relatable. So come from an eyeline of him being unrelatable and then try to understand his relatability.
1: I feel like you're going for my weak spot because you you already know that you <laughs> sold me on this idea. I really do like that reverse <laughs> angle of coming at a superhero who I already know and love from the perspective of some, from someone who just
0: doesn't get it. Yeah, and that's how you make people get it. The, the problem with the Superman of, of the modern day is we don't get it. Everyone's trying to make it so it's like this brooding thing or this edgy thing or this sequel to Christopher Reeve's thing. Make him not understandable, and then through the course of the film, the arc is understanding what makes him tick. It's right there in the narrative. I, I think that's the way I'd do it.
1: Haley, what's the end for Superman for you? I, I, I kind of disagree with you. I wouldn't go dark.
2: I think that we just did dark with him uh, most I didn't, recently. I didn't mean go film. dark. More so go different okay maybe different i mean like if you were i mean there's plenty of like alt universe comics that you could explore if you wanted to do something really different with the character but for me especially now that like captain america's kind of stepping aside in the mcu i really need like a an aspirational old-fashioned hero and that really works for me and i respond to that Mm -hmm. and i think we have such a variety of anti-heroes or or different heroes and i just i i'd like to see some some old-fashioned good Good feelings and good heroics and sort of the Star Wars, uh, not Star Wars, Star Trek approach of like good people doing good things because they believe in the future of the human race. <laughs> I'd like to see some of
1: that. It's actually a very good point with Captain America stepping aside that, I mean, now that I'm thinking about all of the DC and Marvel movies, we, we won't really have... That anywhere like i, I don 't really know what the tone and the style and everything of Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be, so maybe that 's going to be the thing coming up to fill the void well, but like it 's not
0: espionage buddy cops yeah. even, even that 's a little more on the edgy side technically and and I think that what marvel 's done is they've they 've retired their big ones that were those archetypes, and now they need to fill in mm. new archetypes, but the world the world now isn't as beautifully simple as we perceive the past. It's just not. So, the thing that worked about Captain America is we have this amazing naivete towards the past. Like, the 50s and 60s were as darker, darker than today, but since we didn't live them, we're like, look how happy everyone was. I don't think characters introduced in the Phase 4 and 5 can be as like, shucks, as Cap, because he's got that brilliant, like, device to make him allowed that way, whereas Superman is the Boy Scout of the comic world, so I think that we need something that's light and fluffy that the only character is Superman. I think that we need someone to be truth justice in the American way but if people aren't going to understand that because the world's messed up deleting myself committing myself to PG-13 then you do it through <laughs> Lex Luthor or something like that device
2: I mean we do have Wonder
0: Woman we right? do
2: and uh, it does look like 1980 or is it 1984? 1984 1984 yeah so many 1984s going around uh American Horror Story just did that right
1: yeah it's a, uh, it's a, great, <laughs> year. It's a great
2: year <laughs> it's a good year I uh So, like, that film, from everything we've heard about is going to be very much, like, aspirational positive heroics.
1: And it's almost like it, or at least the last one had, like, a little bit of a classic vibe to me, Mm -hmm. too. So maybe maybe that is the movie in the franchise filling that void right now. And she has that same quality
2: that you were discussing as, like, this sort of untouched purity and goodness, Mm -hmm. not from being from the past, but from being from... Oh, now I'm having to censor myself. (laughs) From a nice island. From a
0: very, very far away place where things are different and better. Uh, But I think that, like, I watched The Rocketeer recently because Disney Plus is dope, and Rocketeer reminded me what you can do when you're not trying to tie things into greater lore. Mm -hmm. Rocketeer is so clean and fresh and and lovely. If you could make a Superman with that tone, like they did with First Avenger...
1: Everyone's watching The Rocketeer. It's so I feel, good. I feel like a little left out. I'm watching The Mandalorian. Why am I not watching The, the Rocketeer? I feel like the rest
0: of the planet's watching The Mandalorian, but <laughs> I know, the ten I know. people you've talked to watch The Rocketeer are like, yeah, that's right.
1: The Rocketeer. <laughs> Maybe I'll download it and take it with me because Disney Plus has downloadable Still movies about. and that makes me too happy. All right, speaking of the R rating thing, though, I also want to ask you guys what you think about both Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad. They are expected to get R ratings as well. Smart move, does that limit the audience too much? That's what I expected. And and
2: I would have been disappointed any other way. Um, There's, I suppose you could make the Harley Quinn movie not rated R, but I don't see why you would, given sort of the approach they seem to be taking to it, which is a bit more mature, a bit, uh, using the word again, but weirder. And (laughs) um, the way, I mean... I think when I spoke with Margot Robbie, she said she wanted to make an R-rated girl gang movie. Mm -hmm. Like, that's pretty straightforward on the idea for the pitch. So I always perceived it that way anyway. And Suicide Squad, with James Gunn? (laughs) Yeah. It better be. It's
1: like my my knee-jerk reaction response to that is, you know, but, like, look at what James, uh, James Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy. He can clearly work in that kind of rating. Oh, he can. You know, I just I don't, don't know. think he should. I don't think he should, and I also, I also don't think he should hot on the heels of David Ayer's Suicide Squad, which was rated PG-13. I right. just think that the R rating is going to let James Gunn do his thing, and really kick this thing up a major notch, which, you know, I, I'm rooting for it.
0: For me, this is what he couldn't do on Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. For me, this is that like unplugged. <laughs> there so you I go. really want to see James Gunn like, oh, no, no, you're giving me everything? Okay, let's dance.
1: Yep. Alright, going down the list now. We have Green Lantern Corps. It still remains a priority, apparently. Uh... It looks like a, a script is being delivered at the end of the year. The project may be presented to J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot to see if the company would be interested in producing the picture. However, of course, Greg Berlanti, he is partnering with uh, Jeff Johns on a Green Lantern television show. So now there's speculation that that relationship could lead to his involvement in a feature film. What is the likelihood we see a Green Lantern core movie in the near future, and what is the likelihood of Greg Berlanti signing on to be part of
0: that? I'm very torn, because Green Lantern is one of those amazing properties where you can actually have a show and a movie exist in the same universe simultaneously, because there's so many Green Lanterns. I would love if HBO Max was finally the network where you had a show and a movie that are simultaneously in the same universe, because we haven't really done it. We keep dabbling, we keep doing things where, like, The Mandalorian is in the future, it's still in Star Wars, but I want to see a character from tv in a movie that is set in a blockbuster universe that we haven't fully done that yet i've been waiting for the king killer trilogy forever like th- those it, it, we've been almost there so i would love if they let berlanti do the show and have an actor playing john stewart or have an actor playing guy gardner or an actor playing hal jordan but then you have the movie be another green lantern tale because you can do it simultaneously i'm just worried that there's a lot of bad blood with green lantern i, I don't know what the script is like i don't know what the Public wants. I don't know which Green Lantern they'll go with. I want buddy cops in space. I don't know if they're going to do that. Uh, it, it's a lot. It's a tricky property right now.
2: Green Lantern. How you feeling about it? I have less strong, strong opinions. Uh, Green Lantern was not <laughs> something I grew up like with a, a big attachment to. So everything like in my mind is very business minded on that. I, I don't. Uh see why Greg Berlanti couldn't be a part of a film, but I don't see anything also in his very expansive resume that suggests that would be the path he would take necessarily, uh, given his recent work. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I mean, you have like the the marketing hurdle that they can easily clear, but like definitely when people think of Green Lantern who aren't in our rarefied unit of people have that leftover taste in my mouth from the last movie. If you were to ask my mom or my aunt, they'd be like, oh, they're doing another one? Uh, And they would have no idea it was like new creatives or anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, That said, I, I... In terms of like combining the universes, that's an interesting thing because obviously, you know, Marvel's going to do that on Disney+. And I'm, I'm hesitant to see DC try to rush into that kind of thing because I worry it'd be the same as them trying to rush into Mm, a shared universe that didn't work out for them. When I, I think that lately what's really working out for them is leaning into individual properties and less of the, the shared connective Mm -hmm. tissue. So I, I, you know, I would, I would be intrigued if they tried to beat Marvel to that punch. See,
0: I, I see your concern, and, and Marvel is definitely going to get it out timing wise first, but I yeah. think Green Lantern can, he's a cosmic character. You can have him not really interact with Batman. You can have non interact with Superman, whereas he can interact with his show and him, and that could be its own little thing. Mm-hmm. And I think tonally, it'd be really cool to see a space opera done right at DC. I'd love to see them handle that, that type of thing, and then you could have characters introduced long form on TV, then jump into the movie. Like, there's just so much potential there.
1: I don't I, disagree. You I clearly think, uh, know
2: more about I've the I've got chari- some ideas.
0: <laughs> I've got some goals.
1: I think what makes me hesitant about that just yet is... You know, we don't really know what HBO Max is going to do to the industry. We don't know the impact it's going to have. And I feel like until I find my footing over there, I'm not ready to commit to a show that exists over there and could also require that I see a big screen rendition as well. It's like that, you know, that is the benefit that Marvel has right now. It's like they've got all of the the moviegoers hooked. And now look at how many people subscribe to Disney+. Plus. Like they could have done something like that. And yeah. it would have felt like necessary viewing. Whereas I feel like they, for a Green Lantern show in particular, that needs to become necessary viewing first. Mm-hmm. So if Berlanti is involved, I hope they wait until that is a hit. Along the lines of some of his other shows, and then maybe they press go on a movie. So. Super agree. You kind of like said
2: much better what I was trying to hint at with the marketing thing. Like nobody I know would sign up for HBO Max to watch that show, whereas people 100 percent will sign up to Disney yep. Plus to watch the Mandalorian or whatever you know upcoming Marvel shows are. Mm-hmm. I, I outside of our little box of people, nobody I know would be like a Green Lantern show. Throw another ten dollars on my monthly subscription <laughs> charge, <laughs> or
1: what is seventeen something crazy? I, so, don't I don't know. I can't yeah. even keep track. I yeah, feel like it's it's just all blurred together in a big yeah. fat money blob that I'm going to have to pay. <laughs> all right. Next up on the uh, DC list here is, oh, hey, Flash is still hanging around. Because apparently Warner Brothers and DC still have faith in Ezra Miller's Flash. And they are proceeding with uh, development on that standalone movie. Andy Muschietti has been tapped to oversee the movie. And he's enlisted uh, Christina Hodson, who wrote Bumblebee, to write the screenplay she's going to finish that assignment before moving on to her screenplay for Batgirl. Production on The Flash won't be able to start until uh, Miller finishes up his work on the next Fantastic Beast movie, which means that cameras are unlikely to roll on this one until 2021. But I I think my question for you guys is, are they going to roll ever? Or wait, wait, can I rephrase that? Are they going to roll ever with Ezra Miller in front of the lens?
0: i Personally, don't think Ezra Miller's the Flash anymore. And I get that he's in this, and I get that he's attached, and I get that everyone wants him there, and I get all those things. But they're separating from the shared universe they built, and I don't see a reason to keep him on as the Flash in order to do that because it just confuses people that don't see it as a shared universe and i i would love to take an entire day and read the 97 flash scripts that have been bounced around with this i want to read Ezra and Grant Morrison's i want to read the first one they had i want i want to have that day it sounds great but there's a there's a dark irony in the fact that the flash is always late in the comics even though he's a speedster and it's the last <laughs> movie that's coming out there's 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 something to that and i don't know if that's going to be the way to do it. I love the idea of her writing it because I loved Bumblebee, yeah. and I think that that earnest charm is what the character needs. But Ezra Miller also played a mix of Wally West and Barry Allen. Like, the way he played the character, this is very specifically nerdy, the way he played the character was the optimism and earnestness of Barry Allen with the yucks and hijinks and, like, quippiness of Wally West, and I think you need to pick one because that's the only way you can really branch out into making a Flash universe, which they'll inevitably want to do because this is a comic book property. You need to have a, a very strong take on the character, and I feel like Ezra Miller was playing... Ezra Miller as the Flash, and I don't know if that's going to translate to what they're trying to build.
2: Do you think that, like, it'd be, so, you know, you're talking about the shared situation that they're moving away from, but we do still have Aquaman, we do still have Wonder Woman, so, like, I, do you think it'd be weirder for them just to be, like, psyched, got a, like, new, Batman, a new, got new Flash? Yeah, but the Batman and Joker thing seem to be in their own little pockets, mm. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're just going to be like, it's, uh, "Now it's Robert Pattinson." I hope you can't tell
1: the difference. Maybe the Flash could wind up being in his own little pocket too. That's I mean, yeah. there there are actually, you know, like character and story and lore ways to get him out of that space. Of so course. I don't know. I, I as much as I admire Ezra Miller for sticking with the project and the passion he clearly has for it, and the fact that I really did like him in Justice League in that role. I I think I'm over it. (laughs) I think I'm over it. I think I kind of want to wipe the slate clean with this and maybe push it aside for a little while, but then bring it back. I do think we need a Flash movie, but I I don't know. I guess the best way to describe how I'm feeling about this particular project is is burnt out. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm burnt out by it already. But we also...
2: I hate to keep referring to this. We have a very specific perspective. Most people do not have that perspective at all. They're probably like, where's that funny flash that was in that movie three years ago? Well,
0: you he's know. also in a tricky spot because Grant Gustin because we have a great Flash yeah, on TV yeah. Grant Gustin is Barry Allen Grant Gustin like wha- Grant Gustin on a Thursday is Barry Allen like that <laughs> guy just is that character so I feel like when you have something like that on a weekly basis on TV and is now running into a <laughs> running into a fifth season and you haven't had a Flash movie yet it, it, I think the, the public sees Flash as Grant Gustin as they should that, so <laughs> that I think muddies up the whole thing as well
1: that might be a smart path to pursue at this point and that's coming from someone Who has only watched one season of The Flash? Like, maybe that is the way to shake it up and try something different. Not necessarily tone wise, but just like formatting wise. Make a Flash movie with Grant Gustin and try to drive more people to go watch the show. I mean I, I the, don't know I would be very open to that idea the
0: five-hour infinite crisis I think is the biggest thing DC I, I think it's end game big and it's going to be crazy so I think that after infinite crisis uh crisis in and infinite earth we're going to see a very big shift and that could be the time to do something like that I don't know if we ever will because I don't know if that's going to be you know contracts or how it relates but I don't think that Ezra Miller's flash is as regarded as Bat Batfleck was and he's gone or mm-hmm. as Henry Caville was and he's got the cape in the closet but not wearing it. it it's a, it's a mess. So I don't, I think Wonder Woman might be an Elseworld. I think the 1984 thing might be the, because it's going to be ending continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a very specific reason we had that gap in time and I think the Joker changing everything is going to change everything.
1: I also don't think we're going to see a team-up movie in quite some time. Like, I, I don't think story-wise, we're going to be like, where's that person who's teamed up with that person in Justice League? I think that those days are just like long gone behind us. I think we're going to see Aquaman off on his own for a very long time. Mm -hmm. We'll probably see a third Wonder Woman with her on another separate adventure, but I have a hard time imagining them trying to pull off another team up movie in a good amount of time.
2: I definitely agree with that. That did not go well for them, and I don't, you know, given what has gone well in the past couple years, they're not going to be rushing to that conclusion. Flash is like this big giant question mark. It's like, there's, of all the projects, I feel this is the one. That if you if you try to forecast it in any way, you're the most likely to be wrong. Yeah, because everyone's been wrong so many times. I will. Say, I do think that I believe more that Andy Muschietti will stay on the project than I do Ezra Miller. Again, like I just said, dumb prediction to make given the project, but he did just make them a whole yes, lot of did. money.
1: Wait, so can we can we all make one prediction here? That's yeah. your prediction is that. Muschietti will stay on? Uh, well, to be clear, I said more likely, more likely. he'll stay on. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm trying to get us to commit a little. <laughs> I'm
2: not a fan of commitment. You should know that about me by <laughs>
0: now. Uh, my harebrained theory is we will quietly have this project fall apart. I think he'll stay on as director, and they'll have a big flash announcement of cast yeah. and make a big presentation of it, and that'll be like, this is the thing, and that'll be the final straw of Maybe getting a new shared universe, because I think DC fans, like, I I want a Justice League movie. I want to see that team up. But I think it's going to come from getting a new set of cast before it comes from the old one.
1: I feel like this isn't my real guess, but I'm just going to take a big swing (laughs) and say Grand Custin gets a movie.
0: That is a crazy That is a big swing. Swing. Isn't it?
1: Yeah. That's I feel b- all right. I feel like I just had to like find something different than you <laughs> <laughs> realistically though, I think that one of the next pieces of uh of news for the Flash is going to be that Ezra Miller is out and someone new is in. That realistically, that's what I think is gonna Scheduling happen. Scheduling
0: conflicts, creative differences, Fantastic Beasts eighty two. <laughs> Who
1: right. knows? Maybe Fantastic Beast three will be a hit and I'll have to like that, I, that's the worst prediction ever. I want Ezra... I want <laughs> well for
0: Ezra Miller, the person. I just don't see Ezra Miller the Flash doing anything. Like, I, I love... Yeah. Uh, you know, we need to talk about Kevin. I think he's a fantastic yeah. actor. and I think oh, yeah. there's a lot of, of, of play there. I just... This property's been five years running.
1: Yep. All right. We have one more piece of DC news to hit, speaking of Justice League. So they have one little bit about the Snyder Cut, just because that was a hot topic that we were discussing very recently because of the increasing outcry on social media for the cut. They have a quote in this article. It says, um, first it starts, there are currently no plans uh, to release a Snyder version, either in theaters or on HBO Max. And then the quote is, that's a pipe dream from one knowledgeable insider. There's no way it's ever happening. Do you think that's the truth? And do you think that's a shame?
0: I, I think it's funny they credited a knowledgeable insider because like that's such a relative concept so like for me it's like ah this guy's watched yeah. a lot of movies knowledgeable I insider mean, like, the scoopers
1: must have like, like a hat of terms and they just add- like shake it up every time and Today, pick one out IMA. source close to the production <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> friend of the studio knowledgeable insider no I think that it's uh, a source that prefers
1: to remain anonymous
0: it, it, it's cartoonish the fact that we we're like let's talk about this sentence from this guy we don't know. Uh, but I, I think it's a really interesting thing to not dive into. It's it's an inherent profit margin. like Especially if you accept the fact that it's an unfinished cut. Everyone just wants to see it. I think HBO Max needs their Golden Goose. They need their Mandalorian. They need their uh, Jeff Goldblum show. They need their Marvel Plus shows. And I think they've got a un, an unfinished movie that is more demanded than most movies. So I think it'd be a loss not to have it released in some capacity. I love the idea of there being a Snyder cut and a regular cut in HBO Max. I love the idea of a documentary
1: Even if they have to spend money on it. Yes. If they have to spend money to finish his version of the movie.
0: I think if they spend less than $15 million... I think if they spend less than $30 million, they will make a profit. There is such a demand for that thing.
2: All right, Haley, you're up. What do you think about that? I don't think it's ever happening. I mean, like, I guess it could. You'd make good points. But that also requires a a, a movie studio being willing to say, we made a mistake. yeah, And that you guys, like, it's such a... People power don't like doing those kinds of things you know to just be like well we were totally wrong we wasted all this money here's the rough draft of what you could have
0: had in the first place but I think they like money more than they like admit like I think some people like money more than they they're not publicly saying they were like someone's face isn't saying I was wrong but someone's face is going to be eating money so I feel like you know there's going to be there's going to be that shift where they're like oh I can admit I'm wrong in private if I can make money in public and I think that's what's going to be is there is money here and no one's name is attached to canceling this there's only people that are going to make money off it
2: I mean it's a good perspective money does kind of trump everything but I I, uh, I find it unlikely I just do I, It maybe I almost feel like maybe if it hadn't become such a big deal that it would be more likely to be like a bonus on a blu-ray someday um, but I, I could, you know who knows maybe uh, maybe they will I do I, I agree that that would be a great way to immediately get a A ton of subscribers for HBO Max it's like built-in
1: subscriber base, but I just don't, I don't see it happening. I think they're going to hit a point when they're readying for launch and they're realizing that their numbers are not nearly as impressive as Disney Plus's, and they're going to change their tune on that story, they're going to put in a little money and they're going to do it. That's just a bet. I know nothing about what's happening behind the scenes, so I don't want to get anybody excited and then it doesn't happen, but I think it would be a smart business move and I think they might come to that realization.
0: Those tweets last week looked like marketing to me. Like, so, I don't know. And I think if we hear anything, it'll be soon, because of those tweets last week. Yeah. that had a marketing vibe.
1: All right. We're going to have to wait and see on that one. And uh, very briefly, story number two, because we spent most of our show on that, which there was a lot to cover there, a lot of interesting information. But something else we're going to have to wait a real long time for now is uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which apparently was moved from March 13th, 2020 to November 20th, 2020. So this report came from Variety and... The question I have for you guys on this one is do you think the move was largely to give them more time to finish the movie or is there any strategic advantage to releasing this movie
0: in November versus March? It's at a disadvantage. It's It's opening with the Eternals, guys. Like Like there's a big (laughs) disadvantage. We don't move that. Like let's leave this, you know, moderately comfortable March date to go into the throes of war. Like now it's not Kong versus Godzilla. It's Godzilla and Kong teaming up to fight the Eternals and they lose
2: on a on a franchise that's already underperforming.
0: Yeah, like Uh, the summer felt crowded and this was like a thing in it. Yeah, that's not a good indicator for November.
2: I'm pretty. Bummed about it. Nothing about this reads well to me mm-hmm. uh, this to me obviously it's not going to do well to box like, unless they change it again that's just that's a suicide date. That, and you I like don't go up one. against that movie when I like all they doubled, of them. They
0: doubled down last time, and they were like, we know this requires us to go full monster movie. Yeah. And then they did, and then people didn't show up. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. But that was the lesson we wanted them to learn all this time.
2: <laughs> well, they took a really long time to get it into theaters. I think that didn't do it any favors. I think that it won't do this any favors to take a longer time to get into theaters. I mean, how long ago was Kong Skull Island? Do people even – is that on the – like nobody remembers that we 've had way too much happen in the last two years <laughs> yeah. to remember that movie yeah. um, I just i don 't see it as good at all. It suggests that a either the the, the film isn 't where it should be or that it 's not where it should be in the eyes of the studio, which to me is even more like uh, worrisome that that maybe they're they 're going well. You know, our last Godzilla movie didn't work. So we're going to go in and make all these choices Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. move things around. And that's usually not a good sign. Nothing about this thrills the the woman with the Godzilla
1: tattoo. Let's say that. (laughs) You guys know I don't like doom and gloom, but I, I really can't find much good in this story because it's like not only is it moving to a release date with a whole, I mean, a lot of competition here. But it left a release date with not that much competition, especially for this kind of movie. That seemed like an excellent spot. So, I mean, the only thing that I could believe right now is that it was moved to give more time to work on the movie, which is alarming from a number of angles, whether you're talking about, you know, things needing to be reshot late in the game or maybe the studio wanting to come in and do a little something to it. And I'm always rooting for Adam Wingard. So I hate taking the negative approach to a story like this Because I really do believe in him directing this movie, but yeah, a move like this definitely raises some red flags for me.
0: I don't fear reshoots and I don't fear additional photography when they're scheduled or when they're reasonable. But a seven-month push does not seem like either of those adjectives is at play here. Like I don't feel like this is a tiny little thing. This is a full restructuring.
1: We're also—I mean—we're not that far away from that March release date. At that at this point, it feels like a decision like this probably. You know, if it was being made for the better, would have happened far sooner. <laughs> Blue I, like,
0: I just was like, that's only. You're right. It's four yeah. months away. Oh, that's only a quarter of a year. Oh no, it's now. Yeah, like, time <laughs> doesn't
1: mean anything anymore.
0: Before, yeah, like it's just like, oh no, we're in March. Okay, cool. Yeah, what?
1: I feel like if there was a release date schedule reason, like if I could isolate something it was yeah. in direct competition with in March, and like you if know, Eternals
0: had moved into their spot, I, maybe like, maybe that would make sense. <laughs> Even if it had moved from November to March, I'd be less I'd be less worried. Like if it had been like, oh, we just wanted a spring date. I'm like, that yeah. makes sense. You're a spring movie. Yeah.
1: I would be too. I mean, you, you know, something could be said for the fact that Eternals is November sixth, and Godzilla vs. Kong is November twentieth, and you know, I do think that maybe there's a built in. Oh, uh, you know what here actually here's another thought i'm looking at box office mojo right now and on the same exact release date there's an untitled wb event film number two listed there maybe whatever that was didn't pan out and maybe just from like the studio's schedule mm-hmm. perspective they needed to fill that gap with something to maximize their dollars on the holiday i don't know i mean maybe that's me just reaching for a silver lining but you know you look at this you look at this uh lineup right now and You've got a uh, gigantic. Oh, do they have two things? Gigantic isn't happening, isn't it? isn't it? Because uh, Ryan the Last Dragon right now is November twenty fifth, so they're probably gunning for the Frozen two money. So it does feel like Godzilla versus Kong will probably pale in comparison. But the Thanksgiving holiday does usually come with a significant amount of money to spread around. So I don't know, maybe maybe this could work in their advantage because people do see movies on holidays. Does it usually get spread
2: around in that direction? Like, I mean, that's kind of a vague question, but isn't it usually like kids' movies, awards movies? Oh, they're definitely... Star Wars, Marvel, like... Well, that's
1: the thing. It's like those types of movies will be the priorities at that time of year, but but a little more money is being spent. I mean, and then other negative to what you bring up is... I think right now, looking at this calendar, like, we don't know what the awards worthy movies that are going to drop at this time. Like, those will pop up later in the year on the calendar. We're not going to get those announcements. So. the competition could become even more fierce as we inch closer i'm just desperately trying to find a little hope (laughs) in this situation i would
2: (laughs) love to be wrong i would love for this to be like the one that saves the franchise and boom we got 10 more monster movies Uh, please please be wrong
1: all right guys we are going to move on right now to some plugs kicking it off with a show you can watch on collider video real soon it's heroes Hi, I'm Amy Dallin, one of the hosts of Collider Heroes. And starting right now, you can catch our show Tuesday nights with a new Collider Heroes and a longer Collider Heroes podcast where Koi and I are going to talk your ears off. You already know that's coming. So make sure to go to YouTube, subscribe, and find us on the Collider Heroes podcast feed for all of that sweaty goodness. Hey, guys, it's Perry here to let you know that this episode of Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership for us DC fans who want to watch DC movies and shows, read our favorite DC comics, shop exclusive merchandise, and connect with other fans. DC Universe is home to original series like Titans, Doom Patrol, Young Justice Outsiders, and also starting November 29th, Harley Quinn featuring Kaylee Cuoco. This adult animated series follows Harley as she breaks things off with the Joker. Will she be the newly liberated Queenpin of Gotham City? Catch new episodes on Fridays. Love comic books? Well, DC Universe is also the place for you for that. Get access to over 20,000 digital comics all at your fingertips. This includes classic titles like The Dark Knight Returns, Crisis on Infinite Earth, Kingdom Come, and All-Star Superman, as well as today's hottest books. And that's just the tip of the iceberg here. Watch new animated films like Batman Hush and Reign of the Superman. Enjoy classic animated series remastered in HD like Aquaman and Batman Beyond. Binge fan favorite DC series like Constantine and Birds of Prey and watch classic DC movies like Batman, Batman Returns and Superman. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices with this special 14 day free trial promo code. Now is definitely the time to experience the ultimate DC membership. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use the promo code Collider to start your free trial that's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast o n e use promo code collider to start your 14 day free trial this code will be valid through december 31st 2019 this episode of collider movie talk is sponsored by warner brothers digital networks the operator of dc universe dc universe is only available in the u.s a few more things you should be aware of. We unveiled our Ready or Not crossbow video where I learned how to shoot a crossbow with Christian Brune from the movie. And, uh... It was so much fun. It was so much fun and I now live with a crossbow under my bed. So there's a fun fact. If you want to see how that happened, you can watch the video. Full thing is up right now on the main YouTube channel. Also, major Collider FYC news. First, we've got a screening of the Joker happening on December 3rd. And then the next one we have with our Arclight partnership is Rocketman on December 7th. There is talent from the movie. This one in particular, you see it on the screen right now. This is a huge Q&A. Taryn Egerton, Jamie Bell, and director Dexter Fletcher. The FYC team will be on hand for these events. So if you want to meet the filmmakers and see a great conversation, if you want to hang out with us and just experience the movie, that's what these events are for. Come join us. All the information on how to get tickets is on Collider.com. All right. One more story to get to today. I'm sorry, guys. It's not looking like we're going to have time for live chat questions. But this is an interesting topic to talk about right now because we got a little interview with uh, Kathleen Kennedy. And apparently they did consult with George Lucas before scripting The Rise of Skywalker. This quote came from an interview that she did with Entertainment Weekly. And it reads... We sat down with George Lucas for a long meeting before we ever put pen to paper on this final episode. So we had the benefit of his thoughts. We took a lot of notes. So you guys watch this interview. You read this quote. How much influence do you really think George Lucas had on the final product? And does it, you know, make you more excited about Rise of Skywalker and the end of the Skywalker saga that he had some involvement?
0: I feel like it's always good to talk to the head creator about what they would have done to finish their trilogy uh their trilogy of trilogies because at the end yeah. of the day he he did the the middle one first and then the prequel and now this is concluding a world he built so you should ask the godfather what his permissions are whether or not you listen to him is up to you but I I think going from a, a position of a creative it's it's always good to consult uh and I think JJ Abrams loves George Lucas he's talked about how much he respects that world like he made a very Star Warsy Star Trek he loves star wars and force awakens is is nothing if not a love letter to george lucas's original trilogies i think it's happening i think it's good i think it's i think it's lucas infused
1: realistically how many things in rise of skywalker do you think came from george lucas's mind if you had to make any sort of prediction. Like five? Like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Let it quantify that. You know, those five beats. Uh, I think there will be story elements that are how he originally wanted to end the trilogy. But I also think there'll be story elements from him watching episode seven and eight that he was like, oh, I'd go this way. But at the end of the day, I think it's J.J.'s story. Like, I think, I think it's a, a 90% J.J., but now it's going to have... A, Little dashes of George Lucas. We'll
1: come in with a little bit of a lower number and say three. I think I think uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious to know exactly when this sit down happened.
0: She, it's very vague.
1: Yeah the the quote is the quote is very vague and it feels very press friendly to me. There's no doubt in my mind that they probably have had a conversations with George Lucas, but you know, in the end, I would be very curious to know, like, to sit and look at Rise of Skywalker and and say this little nugget of an idea that that was spawned by George Lucas. And mm-hmm. I'm not just saying it came from him in the sense that he created this whole universe to begin with. Like, his suggestion for Rise of Skywalker and for wrapping up the characters he created, their stories. I would just like to know that. I don't think we're ever going to hear that information.
2: I personally hope we don't. Um, I, I don't like the idea of breaking down a film into well this part comes from him and you know how that's how the discourse would go like so that part's valuable and the rest isn't and that's just not a conversation i'm interested in having mm-hmm. i just want the film to be taken for what it is i'm sort of with you coy like of course it's it's great yeah. why wouldn't you want his input he's right he there. made the damn he thing gave a call. yeah for <laughs> sure uh but i do you know it's not ultimately he's not making the movie so when it i I think that's good that they took a bunch of notes, but I I don't know that the idea of trying to make a filmmaker do someone else's thing is what's going to lead to the best end result. So I just, um, I hope it's infused, as you said. Like, I I don't ever want a filmmaker in charge of a project like that to not pursue their vision, because then why... Hire Mm -hmm. that filmmaker. Do you know what I mean?
1: No, that and usually I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, give the the director creative control. Let them see their vision through. This, This is such like this is such an anomaly. Like we don't have any other franchises that have grown quite like this. Where you know, like George Lucas created this this epic unique world, and then seeing people build upon it, but also seeing. I love how you put it, a trilogy of trilogies winding down. I don't know. And I I don't necessarily want to see like a one-for-one, like one point for J.J. Abrams, one point for George Lucas for coming up with an idea, but I would love to get a little behind-the-scenes details on this this note-taking conversation that happened and like, oh yeah, when Lucas said said X, that made me think about Y and then all of a sudden Y grew into like Q or something like that. I, I just, I like to hear about the creative process and when you're talking about the creator of Star Wars in George Lucas, I would like to hear how his notes and his thoughts were implemented. Well, yeah, from that perspective, of course, that's like free film school. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? Um,
2: from like... A person who has to live online perspective <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not as keen on all of this understandable, understandable. <laughs> I, sadly understandable the collaborative
0: nature of film is fascinating because if people don't realize that every single people don't realize that even every single name in the credits isn't everyone that worked on the movie right. it is such a giant force of nature and effort that like eight people get credit for, mm-hmm. 12 if you're in the industry, two if you're not. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's an exhausting thing. And, it, and when you have the, the Tim Miller quotes, the James Cameron thing, when you see just, like, when creatives butt heads, it gets to be messy. So I I hope this was just a very diplomatic, like, this is to service your trilogy, this is in honor of you, but I hope it didn't make it two cooks when it should have been one.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, food analogies. Always the way to go. Infused two
0: cooks. What kind of bread is George Lucas? uh, George Lucas is a fine croissant.
1: (laughs) 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 All right. Let's get one quick question from the live chat in before we say goodbye. Tabitha wants to know, what universe would you live in? DC, Marvel, or Star Wars? Oh. I'm definitely picking Star Wars because I feel like if I lived in DC or Marvel, other people will have the superpowers. I will be just like a lowly person running away from the crumbling buildings. At least in Star Wars, I could play with cool stuff.
0: Star Wars always seems so like hot. Just or or cold. It's just so temperate. I just want. How about I,
1: Endor? You can go there, chill with the Ewoks. Oh,
0: it's so humid. That place is so humid. Oh no no no! I don't know. Their fur I doesn't like, look super sticky. But like the the lush green. Does yeah, not that's come, true. That does not that's come from true. A balmy climate. Uh, mm. I would I would live in Marvel because no one seems to die. Uh, which is lovely. You just uh, get
1: snapped away.
0: But you come back existence. and you're like,
1: what happened? Oh, I feel great. So great. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get a five-year five
0: nap? nap? Oh, yeah. uh, no disrespect for Marvel or DC, but DC feels like I wouldn't know what was going on at any point because there's no shared continuity. And Marvel seems like it's a very like, well, things are working out. Uh, so, I, and, it's, and Marvel seems exciting. I feel like civilians are always in only a little bit of danger uh, when yeah. I feel like Batman might kill me. Like, I, I just don't, I don't know.
2: 100% like red. Right <laughs> all my thoughts Star Wars seems really depressing to live in just like dead ass so depressing there's never not a planet being destroyed or some sort of genocide happening horrifying acts of war constantly yes. it's in the title um, so it seems like a real bummer despite all the like zoomies and the cool guns and the baby Jonas I it so bad um, even he looks too warm
0: <laughs> I'm very concerned about temperature
2: but uh Marvel yeah Marvel i it seems the least threatening the the least depressing um and and there's something. I don't know. I think it's just their tone. Like it seems like it's fun to live. Man, you guys are with
1: wish fulfillment fantasies. Do we or do we not want to end up? You're in, too like, practical about but, but, this. I mean, I know I have a crossbow, so maybe I feel safer in a world <laughs> like Star Wars. Uh-huh.
0: But Marvel is intentionally relatable. Marvel, Marvel by its nature is the underdog continuity where you're like re- representing these characters that you feel like. So the world they built is like I could put myself in there and feel relatively comfortable. Like yeah. it's just like uh, we. I could walk down the street and imagine the Hulky exists if it's not that far away from our reality and that's already so surreal and crazy like and I want to believe in Captain America I want to believe in these ideals I want to believe in billionaire philanthropists and there's like,
2: all kinds of wild gadgetry and fun space yeah. travels and all the cool stuff in Marvel too there's just a whole lot less genocide
1: you got to go uh, track down Michael Keaton and see if he's got any good stuff to sell you. And then you still get cool toys to play with. <laughs> you know, I will track down Michael Keaton anyway. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, I'll leave that to you. Which universe do you want to live in? DC, Star Wars, or Marvel? Tell us about it in the comments below. Koi, Haley, thank you so much for spending your Tuesday mornings with me. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. Thank you, as always, for your help. Huge thanks to everybody out there. Let's see what's on tap. Collider Ooh, big guest today. You're going to want to head over there at 10 a.m. PT because Adam Carolla is on the show today, so do not miss that. Also, do not leave this video without liking and sharing it. We will be back tomorrow morning for a live episode of Collider Movie Talk.